Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Hello and welcome to the Yahoo Sports Fantasy Podcast. I'm Liz Loza and guess what? Dalton is back. Say hello, Dalton. Hello, Liz. How's it going? We got some cool new uh, podcast equipment. I'm um, excited to be back, although obviously I've been uh, very depressed in the meantime. Sad that Jimmy G went down. And uh, yeah, it's been, a, it's been a tough week, but uh, very happy to be back. Liz. You're muscling through it. Hey, producer Brett, have we gotten that pour one out sound effect yet? Is that a pour one out or did Dalton just use the facilities with his mic on? I tried to find one that... <laughs> I tried to find a cue that sounded like liquid pouring onto cement or asphalt, and I couldn't find one. No, no, in the you Yahoo it. Sports giant gigabytes, terabyte sized library of sound effects. So maybe I'll go out and, and pour one out on, on cement and make one myself. But yeah, it sounds a little bit like that. I'm sorry. It, it sounds like maybe a tailgate at Orchard Park before a Bills game. Indeed. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, Dalton, nobody at Santa Clarita or Santa Clara, rather, would ever deign to participate in that sort of behavior. Y'all Chardonnay sipping preppies. Um, so I have to know, then, are you also loving the Iowan C.J. Bethard and raising a glass of the best oak-age Chardonnay to him? Well, I can't claim him. That's Andy Barron's guy, clearly. But, you know, he proved to be not as incompetent as before. That year he got battered last year as a rookie. Clearly he wasn't ready, but, you know, he has some familiarity with Shanahan's system. So he might, at minimum, might not be a total disaster. And at least that's something. Well, Dalton, I'm glad you have a little something to hold on to because hope is important and not all fantasy players have that hope. Some people may be 0-4, though I hope you're still listening. There's hope again. And you can turn this thing around. In fact, we are now a quarter of the way through the NFL season. That's about a third of the way through the fantasy season. Dalton and I put our heads together and decided to talk about what a fantasy draft might look like if it happened today. You know, who would draft in the top 20, who would fall out of that top 20. But that, folks, is a tease because we will talk about it later in the show. In the meantime, we have some hot beverages to sip. Coffee talk. We've got three big matchups, three big matchups to match that coffee talk going into week five. Dalton, Atlanta at Pittsburgh. These are two teams that can't stop anyone or anything. Who are you watching in particular? Anybody you think might pop more than usual? Any confirmations you're hoping to receive? 
clearly this is the most exciting game of the week. Over under 57 and a half points. I have never seen an, uh, a total that high in an NFL game, especially these interconference games are, tend to get higher scoring. Uh, the, the Falcons were already dealing with a ton of injuries, and now Grady Jarrett is out, so this is just going to be a track meet. James Conner's been disappointing uh, lately, but the Falcons are just a sieve uh, to opposing running backs, especially through the air. Juju out of the slot on the other side. Calvin Ridley, you know, I know he's going to regress, but he's still underpriced in D- DFS, and Julio Jones, they've just stopped throwing to him in the red zone the last couple of weeks, so you just want to start all of these guys, but for DFS, for their prices, give me Connor, give me Juju, give me Calvin Ridley. I love that, and I also love, Dalton, that you and I are the highest on Calvin Ridley. He is on pace this season for 60 catches, 1,056 yards, and 24 touchdowns. Now, obviously, that last number is not attainable, but I do think he can be this year's Juju Smith-Schuster, who also has not regressed as people thought he might have in 2018. Yeah, absolutely. Juju, they're just running him out of the slot almost exclusively, and that's just been a huge boon to all receivers this year with the new rules. And Joe Hayden, other side, Joe Hayden may be on Julio and Ridley again. He's not going to, the touchdown per reception thing is going to regress. But the Falcons, I, you know, I don't think they're going to be able to run the ball too successfully in Pittsburgh. They're going to be playing from behind. They're going to have to throw the ball a ton. They don't have a tight end, really. So Ridley, once again, is looking at just a terrific setup. I have him ranked, I think, as my wide receiver 10 this week. You do have him, and I have him wide receiver 14. We are the highest on him of the Yahoo crew. Um, Let's talk about Jacksonville at Kansas City. I'm sure, just like I did, you also watched the Monday night game and were letting your jaw drop to the ground when Patrick Mahomes is throwing with his left hand while getting hit. Um, So good. Amazing, right? But he has another stiff opponent this week. The Jags are the best defense in the league. You know, you've got Calais Campbell coming off the edge, that front line with Malik Jackson and Miles Garrett in the middle of that defense. You've got A.J. Bouye and Jalen Ramsey holding down the secondary. I mean, this isn't just Vaughn Miller doing things and and making and by the way I did not think Von Miller got after Patrick Mahomes nearly as much as he would have liked to so I think this one's interesting are we worried about Kansas City's offensive pieces in this matchup at all given the talent that I just mentioned I do think you have to temper expectations for the Chiefs offense I mean given what they've done it's an incredible pace it's likely unsustainable regardless of opponent but at home and because they're so explosive I do think the result here is going to be more points against the Jaguars defense than they're used to which is going to result in more passing and especially with no four net yeah that hurts their offense maybe in some situations but it does diversify it and it opens up the passing game more and that's when Bortles has been at his best fantasy wise is when Fournette has been out so give me TJ Yeldon still underpriced in DFS FS. Keelan Cole's been silent lately, but this could be the week he breaks out. D.D. Westbrook out of the slot. I like Jacksonville in this setup, uh, you know, a matchup in which they're going to have to pass the ball far more than they usually do. I agree with you, but I also feel like Corey Grant is one of those sneaky deep plays, especially sure. in PPR, that could do something with Fournette out. And where do you have Patrick Mahomes ranked? I'll say right now, I have him at QB 11, so I'm still advocating for him as a QB 1 start, but This is an opportunity where fantasy managers who have, you know, lucked into picking up Mahomes or maybe they were savvy enough to um, look at the week 17 tape from last year and be like, oh, yes, that's my guy next season. And if you're saying that, take a victory lap and shut up because you're lying. But (laughs) but anyway, I, I just feel like this is an opportunity for fantasy managers when they're looking at their flex position, for instance, or they're looking at their bench to reach for some of those higher ceiling players 
to account for the disappointment that Mahomes, and by disappointment, I mean not 400 yards and four touchdowns out of Mahomes. I have Mahomes as my QB seven, but mm. I will say that that's probably the same tier all the way down to 15. Honestly, I could sure. flip flop him and Wentz, Wentz or Cousins. I have 14, 15 now, but I keep moving. That, so really, I, I hear what you're saying. I, I do think that that this is going to be a, a game that it's coming off a short week against uh, yeah. Denver as well. And it's the toughest matchup by far. So absolutely temper expectations and guys like Derek Carr or Matthew Stafford, uh, uh, cousins, as I mentioned, they might even have more upside. I will give you that. But Mahomes has just been so, so good. I've had a hard time dropping him any further than that. I think of the def- of the offensive pieces in Kansas City, Tyreek Hill, to me, is the one who'll be the greatest beneficiary because you've got that Tyler Patmore, I believe his name is, the slot corner mm-hmm. who's replacing DJ Hayden, who's out again and not yep. particularly good to begin with. I think Hill will get loose at some point, especially when you think about Sammy Watkins being banged up and the Jacksonville Jaguars were able to take away Gronk in that Patriots game a few weeks back, and it did take until the third quarter for Mahomes to connect with Kelsey. I also feel like this is for like really like in a tournament play or a dart throw of someone who's super desperate at tight end, which is possible because of the position is absolute trash. Demetrius Harris to me is like a sneaky. He's going to catch three balls, but one of them may very well be in the end zone. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, maybe uh, Chris Conley, too, although he didn't yeah. do much in Watkins left last last week. But a really fun game against arguably the NFL's uh, best defense versus the best offense. Well, you talked about Kirk Cousins. So let's talk about the, uh, the Vikings at Eagles game. Minnesota did get some rest finally since they played a week ago last Thursday night against the Rams. And while they were not victorious in that meeting, I was at the game. John Filippo called himself a heck of a game. Kirk Cousins threw for 400 yards. I mean, Stephon. Stephon Diggs and Adam Thielen have to be up there with one of the top three wide receiver tandems in the league right now. And yet Kirk Cousins is being ranked out of the top 12 of most fantasy rankings, which I do not understand. Can you help? I mean, it's not like the Philadelphia defense is particularly good. Yeah, up front, they're aggressive, but their secondary is a liability. Yeah, I hear you. I guess my argument is there's so many good quarterback options is the main is the main argument against uh, what Cousins wouldn't be. But he is on pace to, along with a few other quarterbacks, set the NFL record in passing yardage this season. And that's with a modest 7.3 YPA because the team's defense has suddenly taken a huge step back, obviously has two terrific wide receiver weapons. They can't run the ball. And who knows about Dalvin Cook's availability? And I mean, speaking of that defense. The Vikings have allowed 9.2 yards per attempt this year, and that includes a home game in which they face Josh Allen. So, I mean, the defense hasn't just taken a small step back. It's taken a massive one. This absolutely could be another shootout in which Cousins and an improving Carson Wentz both go off. And Carson Wentz without Everson Griffin breathing down his neck. I mean, I think the loss of their pass rush has really affected what this defense can do and how it coalesces. Yeah, no, for sure. All right. You talked about Dalvin Cook. I just want to mention that he did not practice Wednesday or Thursday. He still he did take the field last Thursday night, but he was really ineffective. He gutted it out. It was no good. Latavius Murray would be your get. But again, I just feel like when you look at game script, we saw this happen in Buffalo. Everyone thought Latavius Murray was easy money, and yet he just didn't get the touches and he's not even though he was used as a pass catcher in Oakland that's not how they used him last year because Jared McKinnon was still in Minnesota at that point it does seem granted the sample size is small a reluctance of the Vikings to use Latavius Murray via the air 
Yeah, no, that offensive line has been a problem. And Murray definitely needs to be owned in all leagues with, with Cook. You know, you never know with, with this injury that's lingering. But I'm with you in this week. It's a tough matchup. The Eagles, although their defense has definitely regressed some, they're still really tough against the run. And how they're beaten is on the outside, which so happens that's Minnesota's best playmakers. So I think the Vikings are going to attack them with the two uh, wide receivers. And, and even if Murray gets that start, uh, I, I expect a very modest RB2, if not flex production. Yeah, I, was, I have him ranked within my RB3s, I think. Um, let's talk about... Lastly, in this matchup, we did talk about Carson Wentz and how he won't feel as much pressure, but his ability to connect with Elshon Jeffrey, who came back last week for the first time during this regular season from injury, looked great. I mean, the conservative um, fantasy managers who were like, I need to see something first, were certainly disappointed when he put up over 100 yards on their bench. You know, this week, though, we've got a different cornerback situation. What what are you doing with Alshon Jeffrey? Do you think he can beat Xavier Rhodes or is this a comeback down to earth moment? I do worry about Rhodes because he has been shadowing this season, but you said it last week. Jeffrey looked great. He sat at some practice this week, but it was just maintenance. He scored on nine targets. I mean, Aguilar, Nelson Aguilar, I liked entering the year, but wow, what a disaster. If you look at the yards per target, he's been. And Jeffrey, he looked good to go in this offense. So I just trust that system and putting him in position. So even if Rhodes is on him for most of the game, I just think, like I said, I think this game turns into a shootout. So uh, I'm not sitting Jeffrey on my bench. You and I both have him ranked at wide receiver 27 and half point PPR. So just out of the top 20. 24 producers at the position. All right. I talked about the quarter wave fantasy redraft earlier in the show. Let's get to it right now. If you were redrafting today, who Dalton definitely falls out of the first few rounds at running back for you? Yeah, I mean, obviously, Le'Veon Bell and Fournette and Cook with the injuries. I'd say the most the most interesting name is, is David Johnson. I mean, I, I personally did not uh, give enough enough credence to the coaching staff change there. And I, I think there's some optimism that it'll improve moving forward. But man, it's just been a, a total disaster there. Maybe Rosen corrects it also with the quarterback change. But it, he's the obvious one that sticks out. The guy who's, who's stayed healthy. Um, and he's, he's been given the workload lately. But uh, I, I think right now he would remain out as well. Even with the running back landscape being so few feature backs, still David Johnson, big, big letdown from where owners drafted him. Absolutely agree. I think we all underestimated the inability to, or we overestimated rational coaching, right? In that there is none in Arizona right now. They're not using David Johnson the way he needs to be used as a receiver. We'll yeah. see In if the that past, turns. The past staff was so innovative, too. You know, yeah. he used all the, he led the air yards, and it was just, maybe we just took that for granted. Well, you know, I did think with the addition of a fullback, it would compensate for the rest of the line being in shambles and, and AQ Shipley being right. out, but he's not used to running with a fullback. That's not what he does, right? So, like, there's just an evolution moment here that hasn't caught up. So I do agree that he's got to be the biggest bust, especially since he was one of the top three players overall chosen in in drafts uh Leonard Fournette we mentioned him too right like geez he's killing me I know and and all the warning signs were there I know the injury predictor cautioned by far the number one injury risk that was going in the first round but you know I I I totally bought into the offseason work he did and he lost weight and and this is a different injury who knows if it's related but I I mean it's so so discouraging because if you're a Fournette owner I mean he was ruled out so quickly this week I mean there's no real light at the end of the tunnel there either no, not at all. Um, at wide receiver, Julio Jones continues to be allergic to the end zone. Antonio Brown, interestingly, is as well, at least for him. Juju seems to be getting all of those looks and that production. OBJ is Dalton. Tell me if you believe this. This is not fake news. I promise. OBJ is averaging 10.7 
yards per reception. So, so Julio Jones is weirdly on pace to lead the NFL in receiving yards and score zero touchdowns. Antonio Brown still has the second most targets in the NFL, so I'm not, not too worried about him. OBJ, yeah, I am worried. Eli Manning is, is a real problem. They don't even have a backup there that anyone knows about. So it's a concern. Uh, he's getting so frustrated. I mean, it's uh, they couldn't even get garbage yardage against the Saints last week mm-hmm. in, in prevent mode when the Saints were playing prevent defense, not even caring. It, it was a disaster. It's an embarrassment. It's definitely a worrisome well, situation moving forward. Odell Beckham Jr. catching passes from seven yards out. That ain't his job. You know, like it's great. It's, this uh, check down offense that they have in New York has been great for Saquon Barkley's numbers via the air, but it's killing OBJ and his owners. Manny was kept clean last week, too, in the pocket mostly. Everyone's blamed the offensive line. That was not even the issue last week. Yeah, it's definitely a problem. Keenan Allen also, I don't believe he's found the end zone, and so owners are a little bit salty about that. But I have to imagine the variance will work its way back to him. Yeah, I think he'll be fine. I think there's still the health is concerned with him, and he stayed healthy, so I think he'll be he'll be fine. At tight end, Gronk has been an obvious disappointment. He's probably going to play on Thursday night against the Colts, but he hasn't been fantastic. I mentioned earlier how Jacksonville was able to erase him. Um, Trey Burton's been a disappointment. Gronk looks like he's aged fast to me. He just looks slow even when he's out there. And the upside with him is 100 targets, too. So I think he's a safe, safely distant third now, even when playing among the fantasy tight ends. And Burton, I have a lot of shares of him. I'm a little bit more encouraged uh, moving forward, but it was definitely a worry the first couple of weeks. But I think that Bears offense will be better as the season progresses. You think it's rounding into form? I have a question, though, about Gronk, because I feel like this might be... Because tight end is is such a mess and there's so many injuries and disappointments and we're throwing darts every week. There could be plenty of Gronk owners who drafted him, you know, in the first or top of the second rounds potentially, and they're frustrated and they need to do something. I wonder if buying low on Gronk right now is a smart thing to do because you do have Julian Edelman back. You do have Josh Gordon figuring out the playbook. And so now if there are more weapons, there are fewer defensive bodies to put on Gronk and it takes two to three to stop him anyway. Yeah. And the idea of a dominant Gronk is great, especially today because the tight ends are just so bad. You know, they're so unreliable ones. So that, you know, maybe after the the short week, he gets totally healthy. Uh, I'd love to see it. But looking him out there hobbling around and battling his injuries, I just worry that the Patriots are more concerned with a healthy Gronk for the playoff run. But because of people like me saying that, I mean, maybe he truly is a buy low. If I, I'm sitting here saying uh, oh, I'm worried about him. Maybe that means that you can go ahead and grab a, a worried uh, Gronkowski owner and, and get him on 50 cents of the dollar. What would you need to get him? Like, what would you want to see in that trade? If I, I said, OK, I would like to take Gronk off your hands. What do you need to see from me to make that deal come through? Yeah, it's just so so team dependent. But I would still want something like, you know, uh, let's say like a Robert Woods, uh, Emmanuel Sanders, Marvin Jones, Amari Cooper, that type of wide receiver. Does that make sense? Just one, a one for one. That would be the equivalent, I would say, for a wide receiver. Huh. I was going to say if I gave you like Cooper Cup and Latavius Murray. Sure. Yeah. I mean, that, that, yeah. Again, league dependent totally there. If you if you needed the the running back or if you were a cook owner, but something like something in that range, the 15 to 20 uh, wide receiver. That's I guess that means I'm lowering Gronk that much. Wow. That's telling. All right. So who would be the number one overall pick for you if the draft happened today? Oh, it would definitely be be Gurley. I yeah. mean, Kamara obviously is the man, but but Mark Ingram's returning and, and Gurley in that setup. Although the Rams are just throwing the ball so much, Gurley really is not that 300-carry monster, but he's obviously involved in the passing game, and that team's going to su- score so many points. His floor, it's just really hard not to say Gurley here. I totally agree. How early do James Conner, 
James White, Carlos Hyde, those sort of running backs get drafted. Connor's really interesting if he goes off this week, but then you have Le'Veon Bell returning. Yeah. So he probably would not get drafted very high with the assumption that Bell returns in the next couple of weeks. James White's really dependent on uh, PPR or not, but I'd say even in non-PPR, he's safely an RB2 just because of his usage there uh, with New England. And even Carlos with, Hyde, if you would... Even with um, Edelman back? Yeah, obviously that hurts a little bit, but they even give James White like goal line carries. I mean, so I mean, Michelle's not the, the the dominant goal line guy there. So I think in that in that setup, White can still be you know in between the top. Maybe if I'm saying RB two, it's too high. It's certainly a flex option, and in PPR, definitely. I mean, definitely he's going to be one of the biggest risers uh, among all running backs this year. Carlos Hyde, love the setup with with Baker Mayfield taking over, and I was all for saying that he's one of the biggest risers. And then Nick Chubb suddenly mm. looks so impressive. So that would be this the one kind of concern. Even Hugh Jackson saying uh, Chubb needs more carries. And when he's talking about younger players, uh, uh, boy, that is surprising. <laughs> but but Hyde in that setup still, um, boy, he's definitely one of the bigger guys who's, who's risen up my draft board based on preseason ADP. I 100% agree. As far as Chubb is concerned, yes, he looked great. But I also feel like Hugh Jackson just does a lot of talking. I mean, players love to yeah. play for him, right? So like he's complimentary. And what you said about the younger players. This is going to be an opportunity where everyone like goes crazy for Chubb. And sure, if Hyde, knock on wood, gets hurt, let's hope he doesn't. That's why I'm knocking on wood, not knocking on wood to cause an injury ever. Thank you. Don't at me. But I think that he'd be an, an incredible handcuff in that offense. But I also just feel like we're one big play and some words from Hugh Jackson that does not, for me, mean that he's no, know, for sure. Going to be flexed. Hyde's been absolutely rock rock steady. Hyde's been great. And I really do believe in Mayfield. If you can buy any of those players low after this week, because the Ravens defense has been incredible. League low, YPA, and that's before getting Jimmy Smith back. So if the, if the Browns offense you know sputters this week, certainly buy low afterward. It's a great point. Um, would you take any of these wide receivers in the first or second round? Cooper Cup, who I mentioned, Golden Tate or Calvin Ridley, all similar slot guys. Let's say that we're talking half point PPR so we can qualify this. Probably not that high, but I will say it's amazing that Cooper Cup uh, and Robert Woods and Brandon Cooks are all going to finish his top 20 mm -hmm. wide receivers yeah. safely. I mean, I mean that's, that's just incredible. Not to mention their teammate with the number one running back. Uh, Golden Tate uh, has been great. And then Calvin Ridley, obviously the guy who's really jumped out of, out of nowhere um, and went from really, I mean, week one, I could see a lot, a lot of teams probably dropped him. And now we're talking about him as a possible draft pick this high, this quickly. So really impressive from the rookie. Of those for me, Cup is the most interesting or the one I would buy the highest because of his red zone usage and his rapport with Jared Goff in the red area of the field. I mean, Golden Tate scoring touchdowns, but he's an, a yak guy. And I think uh, Marvin Jones has seen more red zone looks, even though they haven't converted. And Galladay's a beast in the end zone as well. So uh, just in terms of high value targets, I think Cooper Cup has the most consistent rate of those. Yeah, well, well, Cup and Cup and Tate are battling. Those are the two best trios, you know, in the NFL, mm -hmm. the, the wide receivers. So they have two great teammates. Whereas Ridley's obviously battling Julio Jones, but not much, not much otherwise. Right. What about quarterbacks? Like the young quarterbacks, Mahomes, Goff. Where do we put them? Let's say, hmm, where do we put them in relation to Aaron Rodgers, who Scott Pianowski talked a lot about on Sunday's pod, not being healthy or putting up the video game numbers that these younger guys are. Yeah, I'm totally buying. Given Pat Mahomes' setup, the bad defense, the weapons, just how he's looking. I mean, he can even start running the ball more. Goff's YPA, the fact the team never pulls up off the gas pedal even when they're ahead. Those three wide receivers, those two are clearly my number one and number two uh, fantasy quarterbacks if we were starting uh, right now. Rodgers, uh, yeah, the gimpy leg, the setup, the receivers. Uh, his YPA is really hasn't been elite last couple of years. Still love Rodgers, obviously, uh, best player in the NFL, but I would definitely uh, have no problem dropping him below those two uh, confidently over the rest of this season. 
Do you have a favorite tight end, one that you would lean on for the rest of the season if you could? Well, I'm, uh, it's, it's obvious answer. Sorry, though. It's George Kittle, my San Francisco guy, <laughs> who just dominates every time he's, he's not hurt. I mean, the yards per route. I mean, you saw last week the 81-yard touchdown catch with C.J. Beathard. I mean, doing the awesome entrance into the end zone. So, yeah, give me Kittle all day. Before the next injury, which I'm sure is soon to happen, I don't know what's going on with the athletic trainer there in San Francisco, but seemingly every player is injured. But Kittle, while he's healthy. His name is Ray Wright, and he worked for the Washington Redskins before he came over. Uh, I'm sure it's not his fault. I'm sure it's not. I just want to point out that the Redskins are not a team that are particularly durable. Right. Okay. Well, I'm sure it's not his fault. It's just a bitter Niner fan here. Sorry. Go ahead. I don't really like any of these tight ends. I know I'm supposed to talk about Jared Cook because I can't stand how he drops balls, like two balls a game and then racks up 100 yards. And you're like, oh, cool. I guess you made up for it. But still, you dropped two dang balls. And you've been doing that to me since you were on the stinking Rams when they were in St. Louis. Oh, I know. Yeah. It's it's hard to dislike his setup, though. I mean, there's I a, a Derek Carr, another quarterback on, on pace to set the NFL record in passing yards. So this will be an interesting week for Cook because the Chargers are the number one ranked uh, defensive DVOA against tight ends. But I fully expect a shootout and him to see a bunch more targets. Well, but Derwin James, that rookie safety looks bananas good. So, oh, yeah, he does. I, and yeah. that is part of the reason that I am like everyone's, you know, top fiving Jared Cook. But I'm a little hesitant because... Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I mean, I know Kittle broke free, but he broke free on a long ball last week. Oh, and they shut down tight ends otherwise. Like, yeah, totally yeah. shut them down otherwise. So yeah. I think Cook expectations need to be managed. Um, although I did fearlessly forecast something for him. So whatever I said the first time is what you should listen to. Um, <laughs> we are going to have a little fantasy court with the our own honorable judge, Andy Barons, and he's going to talk about consolation brackets. Welcome to another edition of Fantasy Court, where I, Andy Barons, resolve your fantasy disputes. This week, I want to take a very important case, a case with significant and far-reaching implications. This suit is brought by Medieval Cow on Twitter. He's just at Medieval Cow. Of course he is. The cow writes in, teams that are in consolation bracket shouldn't be making waiver claims during the playoffs, right? Grab a free agent if you really care about those dumb matches, but stay out of the way of the championships. This divided our league last year, as it should, cow, as it should. I have strong thoughts on this, and they pertain not just to your league, but broadly to all leagues generally. Listen to me. Listen to me very carefully. There's an exception here. If you are in a dynasty league or you are in a league that has negative incentives, right? You have relegation, something like that for the team that finishes last. If there's a last place punishment, fine. I get it. Make your waiver claims in the consolation bracket. Other than that, let the grownups talk. Stay out of the way. Stay out of the way of the teams competing for a championship. If you guys care so much about the difference between ninth place and fifth place or whatever it is, Fine, make a few free agent ads after waivers have cleared. Repeat, after waivers have cleared. Now, again, if there's some financial incentive to not finish in last place or there's a there's a loser's punishment, anything like that, I get it. Anything goes. Place your fab bids. Place your waiver claims. I understand. But if not, if it's simply a standard league where there's payout first place, second place, third – and nothing goes on in the consolation bracket, stay out of the way. There's a strange number of people who seem to uh, dispute this. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hear back from folks who feel strongly that that ninth place, 10th place team should be making crazy transactions at the end of the year. I've never understood it. This is just 
basic, fundamental consideration of your fellow league mates. That is my ruling. That is all for this week. Please, if you have any dispute that you'd like me to resolve for you, I'm happy to do it. It's my role here. Just tweet me at Andy Barons, and we will settle it for you. Well, there are some rules that he put forth, and he pounded the gavel. Did you agree with um, our our judges ruling there, Dalton? I never disagree with Mr. Barons, Judge Barons. <laughs> Good idea. Lock you up otherwise. So let's uh, let's do some at me's. This was a at me, bro. Yes, this was a question that we asked our fair followers on social media. Players that you want to drop but are hesitant to pull the trigger on. Rapid fire here. Let's talk at, at like a minute on each guy. Dalton, LaShawn McCoy, why are you hesitant or are you not to drop him? At 30 years old, 2,200 career carries. I almost felt like it, che- it was cheating to call him a bust before the season. Uh, this was so easy to call with such a tough situation in Buffalo. Having said that, uh, he's not out for the year or anything, and there's so few feature backs in the NFL these days. I am hesitant to drop LaShawn McCoy. I agree with that because of the scarcity at the position. But Kenyon Drake, is that someone that you might drop with Frank Gore? Clearly, um, what is that that Ponce de Leon, I believe, discovered or claimed to have discovered? The Fountain of Youth. There we go. It came from oh, Ponce de Leon. Yeah. It's a little history lesson from you. So are you dropping Kenyon Drake? Are you trying to sell him? What are you doing with him? Hate the Drake. Well, let me be the first to admit that I was high on him, have him ranked one of the highest in the industry entering the year. But I'm, I'm not I don't think I'm being just stubborn here. Frank Gore remains 35 years old. I don't think he's gotten younger. I know Drake, who, who was crazy in all the elusive ratings last year, down to 3.2 yards per carry this one. Uh, I'm sitting him on my benches, but no way am I dropping him. The upside remains. I don't know about that one. I, 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 you know, we have been having this like fight about Kenyon Drake since July. I think I don't know why. Yeah, and I look totally wrong. I look totally wrong. Gore's getting the touches, and Drake has been wholly unimpressive on a team with a winning record too. Which is, I mean, they're three and one as well too. So, I mean, I have, I don't have much of a leg to stand on now. I mean, the last two weeks have been a total disaster. But you know what? I'll take it on this one because Derrick Henry was someone that I advocated for ahead of Deion Lewis, and I was clearly wrong. If he can't do it this week against Buffalo, then there is no reason to hesitate dropping him yes or no i am hesitant to drop him but he's definitely on my on my bench i keep burying him in the rankings but you know Dion lewis maybe he get her has a long history of durability issues so if he goes down i could see again kind of like miami situation uh, henry struggling yet tennessee is is three and one with a strong defense so the setup could theoretically be good for henry moving forward so but he's been I'm not so inefficient him. dalton 18 know, carries in back-to-back weeks for 65 yards in back-to-back like that's not good he doesn't look good to me this test but, is against buffalo and if he can't do it uh, even if he is going to get volume if Dion lewis were to get injured how good is he going to be 18 carries and he can't do anything like whose benches are the are deep enough to do this Maybe a healthy Mariota who looked good last week and maybe he can run now opens up some some rushing lanes more moving forward. But yeah, I actually expect Tennessee to to be upset and lose in Buffalo. It's just a setup for me there. But so I totally hear you. There's not much to be encouraged by with Henry, but you'd have to be in a fairly shallow league for me to not at least stash him because of the upside. But I certainly hear you. He's he's been really awful. Larry Fitzgerald, not looking better. And Christian Kirk, by the way, coming along nicely. Spoiler alert, he might be on my deep sleepers this week. 35 years old, battling a hamstring injury. Uh, Larry Fitzgerald, y- you can drop him. Uh, yeah, Josh Rosen seemingly likes uh, Chad Williams and Christian Kirk, as you mentioned, better anyway. Uh, it's just a total health issue w- with Fitzgerald. I'm dropping him. 
Okay. Wow. You did pull the trigger on that one. Are you feeling similarly about Michael Crabtree, another older, though not 35-year-old receiver who is not getting the red zone targets and a revitalized Smokey is getting all of that love? It's all context, by the way. And a healthy Fitzgerald could definitely be be valuable in deeper leagues moving forward. But I just worry if he's going to sit there and, and play it at 60%, you're going to want him active. It's just going to hurt your team. Crabtree, normally I'm down on, but I wouldn't be dropping him. I think the touchdowns is the one difference from last year. He's actually getting more yards per game. I love John Smokey Brown. Love him. Uh, third in the NFL in air yards among wide receivers, but long, extensive injury history. If you were to go down, Crabtree's targets would, would shoot up. They've actually been pretty good. Joe Flacco's looked really good. So I think Crabtree is actually, I know the drops have, have remained, but I think he's going to do to do to regress in the touchdown department. So you feel like in a good way, Henry and Crabtree are stashes for you because the players ahead of them have such extensive injury histories. And so you're going to hedge in that regard. Yep, it doesn't help that Baltimore's defense has been so dominant, but Flacco looks rejuvenated, he and does. if something were to happen to, to John Brown, I see a clear path to, to more targets. But 34 targets in four weeks for, for, for Crabtree, the efficiency will pick up a little bit. I think he'll be better. Interesting. I don't mind that one bit. To me, it's about where he's getting those targets, and the high-value targets haven't been there, but I like your idea about uh, efficiency and re- regressing to the mean. Yeah, but right? Where's the where? I don't see why he shouldn't get more in the red zone. I mean, I, I know they have a Hayden Hurst coming back with a tight end. There's not like dominant tight end there. John Brown's small. I mean, Alex Collins. But Javorius Allen gets everything through the air. Yes, it's Allen. Yeah, it is Allen. You're right. But it's other than Allen, then it's it's Crabtree. So I, I, I just expect more TDs moving forward. Definitely not a ton of yards. I don't I don't disagree. I just think it'd be interesting. But well, this is a quarter poll, so we'll check in again in another four weeks and see how we've fared. Instead of going forward in time, though, Brad Evans is going to take us back in time for this week in fantasy history. It's time to hop into the Wayback Machine for this week's Great Moments in Fantasy Football History. The San Diego Chargers are currently without an NFL franchise, but this week in 2003, a former Ohio State Buckeye wrecked a much different-looking Jacksonville Jaguars secondary. Wide receiver David Boston shocked the fantasy world in route to 14 receptions, 181 yards, and two touchdowns. He even patted the bottom line with 13 rushing yards. In the end, his 45.4 fantasy points in PPR obliterated anyone and everyone in his path. At that time in his career, Boston was a proven commodity. In 2000 and 2001, with the then Phoenix Cardinals, he amassed 169 receptions for 2,754 yards and 15 touchdowns, earning Pro Bowl and first-team All-Pro honors in 2001. Eventually, injuries, likely due to being grotesquely swole, sapped his career. He went out with a whimper in 2005 with the Miami Dolphins. Back to you, Liz. Riveting information about Mr. David Boston. Would you agree? Very riveting. David Boston was yoked, man. He was he was absolutely ripped, that guy. I remember that's the thing I remember most about Boston. Well, you know, if they had daily fantasy back then, he would have won somebody a lot of money. Now it's our job to win somebody a lot of money. Today, I think a bargain who can do it is Corey Davis. He's at Buffalo this week. He's only $16. Your thoughts on that play? So I would point out, you know, Tredavious White is a pretty good corner, but man, at that price for the amount of targets that Corey Davis is getting and with the aforementioned Mariota playing better, definite bargain. Last week, he just tore apart, uh, overwhelmed Eagles defense. Corey Davis, that's the breakout everyone was expecting. It's finally here. Uh, I expect more of the same moving forward. All right, Dalton, give me one of yours. I love the guy you have listed at your tight end bargain. I was going to talk about him a little bit early, but I didn't want to steal your thunder on this one, though I guess I kind of am. Go for it. 
tight end is just so barren. And Vance McDonald, while he's not, you know, playing all the snaps, when he's out there, he's running routes. And that over under 57 and a half points should just be pinball scoring, passing back and forth. Atlanta decimated on defense the injuries there. Vance McDonald, the Steelers, yeah, they've had some some problems this year, but at home they still remain a jugger, juggernaut. Love Vance McDonald this week. A couple other quick ones. D.D. Westbrook, uh, top 15 in yards per out run last week. We talked about it. Should be a shootout in KC. And if there are injuries to the backfield in Baltimore and Seattle, Mike Davis and Buck Allen, some cheap DFS options. Dang it, dang it. Vance McDonald also just from a football standpoint, his tackle-breaking toughness adds such an element that this Steelers team needs and identifies with. I mean, yes. he set up that Antonio Brown score last week, and he, to me, is such an integral part of the Steelers' offense and was used as a slot receiver in college. So I'm glad to see him back to being healthy, and I'm glad I don't have to deal with any Jesse James questions this week. For sure. He frustrates with drops at times, but he's one of the rare tight ends who can take a slant 80 yards mm-hmm. to the house. That's right. Um, what about fades for you? I'm going to repeat a guy we talked about earlier. It's Odell Beckham Jr. at Carolina. Um, James Bradbury is rounding into form as an excellent cornerback. He held both uh, Julio Jones and A.J. Green in back-to-back weeks to five catches for under 70 yards apiece. Coming off a bye, well-rested. As we mentioned, New York's offensive struggles continue, and OBJ is $33. That's a waste of money. Yeah, there are better ways to spend your money at wide receiver. For me, it's also the uh, someone I talked about earlier, David Johnson. I know the Niners dating back to last year. You look at their fantasy points against for the running back positions way up there, but it improved over the second half last year. Reuben Foster is back. The Niners are four-point favorites at home. Johnson did get a higher volume last week, but man, he's still not in space as much. The yards per carry, a disappointment. So I don't like paying up $26 for Johnson this week. Another one real quick, Devontae Adams dealing with a calf injury in Darius Slay this week. Boy, the injuries in Green Bay there. That's, mm. that's not a great setup for, for Aaron Rodgers in Detroit, even if the matchup looks so favorable on paper. Yeah, I would also say that Geronimo Allison is coming off of a concussion. Randall Cobb has been struggling. I think that Ty Montgomery is a sneaky play this week. People aren't counting him. I don't know. I I think he's like 14 or 11. I don't know. He's very minimally priced in DFS. And I also feel like Jimmy Graham, if people want a tight end, if you're going to pay up, Jimmy Graham might have an opportunity just when you look at how the targets are going to be distributed and what Detroit's limitations might be. You love Ty Montgomery. And uh, another one would be uh, Mar- 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 Marquez Valdez-Scantling, if I'm saying that right. I think he's a- he's another deeper option this week, too. Yeah, you know, he was a guy that I believe Aaron Rodgers talked up a lot over the summer. But he's going to he's a rookie, right? Like he's just starting to get some playing time. Oh, here's a quick question for you. Would you prefer this Marquez three hyphenated last name guy or Traquan Smith in New Orleans? Like if you're throwing darts and let's talk rest of season, not week five. Yeah, no, I have a MVS. I don't know if that's his nickname, but it is one now. Uh, Valdez Scantlin is 46 this week. He has emerged as their clear rookie wide receiver in uh, among those three in Green Bay and all those other injuries. I think he's a real sneaky play this week. So this week for sure and, and probably the rest of season as well. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with my guy MVS. Yes, MVSFTW, right? I like it. I like yes. it. I like it. <laughs> Thank you, Dalton. 
On that note, we are out, but you can follow us on Twitter and submit your questions to at Yahoo Fantasy. I'm Liz Loza at Liz Loza underscore FF. That's Dalton Del Don at Dalton Del Don on the social medias. Dalton will be joining me in Sunnyvale for FFL Fantasy Football Live 90 minutes before kickoff. We'll be together in the studio. I'm very excited. And this pod will be back with Scott Pianowski and Matt Harmon on Sunday night. I'll be on a plane, but boys, do well. One, two, three, four. Those are numbers, but you already knew that. If you want to know what number you're going to pay each month for your car, use Kelly Blue Book My Wallet on AutoTrader. They're really good at numbers. AutoTrader.